On this episode of Cinema Smorgasbord Presents, we do our own stunts. We're about to kick it up a notch. Jackie Chan begins his ascent into superstardom with the legendary Yoon Woo Ping-directed kung fu comedy, Drunken Master. Welcome to We Do Our Own Stunts, a chronological look at the life and work of martial arts superstar Jackie Chan. I'm Doug Tilly, and with me is the world's deadliest man, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? You know, Doug, I'm pretty pretty dang good. Let's put it that way. Huh? Liam, recently you visited your uh, home base, I would say. I mean, your original home base of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. How did mm-hmm. that trip go? Uh, it was good. It was uh, it was very family-focused. You know, it was, it was definitely a trip that was about... My my mom and stepdad getting to see my daughter like that was mm-hmm. the idea. But while I was there, and what know, do they think? Do they rank her from one to ten? Oh, they're <laughs> Seven, haters. Eight. It was we left and they were like, "Don't ever fucking come back here." <laughs> and it's not true. They're obsessed. They love her. I mean, Great. you honestly, you can't. I mean, I'm at the point. Here's the thing, Doug. Right? When people, you know, the, and I'm sure you're probably secretly one of those people. But there's people who <laughs> take a certain joy in sh- just shit talking children, like people who are just like, "Look, this whole idea that kids are endearing is bullshit. All kids are terrible, and they're little dirt monsters, and I hate them." Sure. And and when mm-hmm. people say that abstractly, right? I'm like, you know what? You got a good fucking point. Like a lot of kids fucking suck. Like, a lot they of shitty just, kids. Yeah. yeah. But if someone was like. Also, Maeve, I'd be like, well, you're just it's it's not even like it's not even like I would be offended. I it's it's as if someone said I enjoy eating human shit like it's like so uh, incomprehensible to me that any human would not be charmed by my daughter. That the idea that there's someone out there going, you know, I really fucking hate that Maeve kid. I'd be like, what are you talking about? I think it's the difference. between. It's like that thing where, you know, a person is great, but, you know, people are like terrible. Right. It's the thing. The concept of children is just an awful, horrible thing. But there are individual children who are just wonderful. Right. Uh, But I mean, I do think that if we're speaking in broad generalities, which is what we do here on the Cinema Sports Presents, we do our own stunts. (laughs) Don't have children. Children are bad. That's what we're saying. Quote from Liam O'Donnell on this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I know. I don't know about all that, but it was right. All right. It was a good trip. We got to see people. I, you know, I miss Philly. We got to do some, we didn't go crazy with it. Like we're going to eat out every day, all day long, just eating Philly shit. But we did do some very important things to us, you know, and that was cool. It was, it was very cool. But I also think like, you know, it, it would be different if we could just go just us and have a ton more money than we do, then we might've done like really like done the whole Philly thing, you know? When was the last time you were there before this? Like, uh, July, 2020, I guess. So, I mean, you were obviously due yeah, uh, a visit, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Liam, when we started a podcast devoted to the chronological uh, work of Jackie Chan, this is the point where I kind of started thinking about it, right? Where we are right now with Drunken Master, because I think it's pretty well known that Drunken Master is the movie that really broke Jackie Chan as an actor, as a yeah. martial arts superstar, right? From here, if, for a while, things are going to be a little up and down and a bit rocky, but the fact is, in terms of a public persona, Jackie Chan's uh, ascent hasn't just started. He's basically blasting off into the stratosphere. Snake in the Eagle's Shadow, which we covered on, on our most recent episode, we both loved it. it. was a big financial success, but Drunken Master is the movie that will launch him. So now we're here, Liam. I'm not going to ask you how you feel because we kind of went over that on the most recent episode. But it's kind of strange, right? We're, now it's going to be... Very interesting, and I think for me in particular, interesting to see your reaction to taking steps back from, you know, now that we've had this two in a row of these incredible movies, at least according to me, I don't know your opinion on them yet, um, it's going to be strange to go back to movies which we know coming up are not going to be as good. And, you know, they might have things to recommend them, but we know they're not going to be as good as these. Do you have any concerns about that, Liam? Doug, when I talk to you about doing this podcast i was only imagining three to four movies before we got to this point 
I knew there were movies before this, but I thought, again, three, four, maybe at the most five. We've done a lot of fucking movies before we got to this point. This is episode 12, Liam. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, and that's nothing against that's nothing against um, Snake and Eagle Shadow, which I love. But on episode 12, we're reaching what I know is the beginning of the of the journey. So, like, the idea, like, well, you know, there's going to be some down points from here. Okay, it took us 12 fucking episodes to get here, so I think I can suffer a few, especially like we're coming off of our Eric Roberts podcast, so I think disappointment is not going to be a surprise for me when it comes to this project, Doug. Well, I, before we get into talking about Drunken Master, Liam, uh, just as of a few days ago, as of the recording of this episode, which will date it slightly, Jackie Chan uh, he just celebrated his 68th birthday, so we want to throw out a big happy birthday to Jackie Chan. We know he's a bit of a controversial figure, Liam, but if we didn't love him or at least love his work, uh, we wouldn't be here devoted and devoting a podcast to him. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about that on, on other episodes where this is not this is not a, a pure endeavor that we have misgivings. But but I think the movies, at least, are so far for me, the, the, the effort of talking about these movies and talking about what they represent as far as the history, uh, his place in the history of uh, cinema and specifically Hong Kong cinema is totally like worth it to me. And so, yeah, happy birthday to Jackie Chan. You know, like there's definitely some some concerns, but also I really appreciate the work he's done for so freaking long. <laughs> We're never going to shy away from talking about difficult things. We haven't in any of our podcasts. It's just that it's not pertinent to the the kind of material that we're talking about right now maybe it will be later maybe he'll do or say something that'll be so egregious that we'll have to mention it in these kind of segments but for right now we're going to stay away from that just for the moment is it strangely to think of Jackie Chan as an almost 70 year old it's not because it's been a while since you've seen him like truly risk his life yeah. like it it was it was weirder when he was 50 and still doing his own, st you know what I mean? Like th there was a time where you could still see him doing some pretty wild stuff at an advanced age, but him being 68, I mean, uh, yeah, it's a little weird, but it's not as weird as if he was 68 and a movie came out and he was jumping off a building again. Cause then it's like, yo man, like the, the time has passed. Like just hang back and be someone's mentor. Like we don't need you to risk your life anymore at this point. I guess the odd thing is that his mainstream uh, North American celebrity, it started to kind of come about when he was already like 40, right? Or a couple right, of exactly. years into his 40s. So it's not, you know, I mean, I'm a couple of years into my 40s too. So the idea, like, I don't feel like a young man. He wasn't a young man at that time, but he had such a, like a, a filmography that had already built up, you know, and then when he, he became... Uh, kind of reach that next level, even in things like the Rush Hour franchise. I mean, this is a guy in his mid-40s approaching his 50s. So yeah, you know, 68, it kind of feels natural. It's just that when I think about Jackie Chan as a person, he just has that eternally youthful kind of mm -hmm. feeling about him. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I'm just getting played by the Jackie Chan image, him in his panda costumes and whatnot. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm of the opinion that at 68, he's starting to look like uh, an older man. But when he was in his 40s, I, I wouldn't have believed it if I didn't know it was... A, even, I'd say even a lot of his 50s, it was like, how old is this person supposed to be? You know? Whereas now, I don't think he looks 68, but he it looks he at least looks like someone who is older, right? He, he looks like he has aged. Now, uh, again, like almost 70, that's a, that's 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 starting to push it, right? But yeah. but uh but I but it, but I'm uncomfortable with we've had him long enough that I'm comfortable with the idea of like he's getting older now. It's not time for him to do backflips in the mall anymore, you know? Like that's okay, you know. <laughs> he he can have a little rest. It's not that big of a deal at this point. I know at goddamn 68 one would hope so. <laughs> I wonder how much he's hurting. That's another thing that I'm always concerned about, right? I mean, I think I mentioned before that Donnie Yen, in an interview, uh, that that a, a, he went to, did like a special appearance in Toronto a few years ago, and one of the things he was very open about is just that his life is pain, and he's not nearly as old as Jackie Chan is. That's true, and also, and I think this is probably true for a few of these folks, um, doing that kind of martial arts work is probably leads to all kinds of injuries but has have many performers had as many dramatic 
on-screen injuries as Jackie Chan. You know, like, outside of, like, stuntmen. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know how many, uh, you know, above-the-title performers, like, big-name stars, have had as many horrific injuries. Outside of just just doing that kind of physical work over time is wear and tear. But also he cracked his head open and broke his ankle and broke his arm and, you know, whatever else he's done over time, you know. You know, it's strange. The only comparable figure I can think of is someone like a Johnny Knoxville, which is kind of an right. odd yes. comparison to make. But even he certainly hasn't been doing it nearly as long as Jackie Chan or as frequently as Jackie Chan right. in kind of his most productive periods. Um, I do think that probably Jackie Chan's uh, birthday celebration was tempered uh, somewhat by the recent death of Jimmy Wang Yu, the superstar martial artist. We've talked about him previously, Liam, when we covered the Killer Meteors uh, a few episodes back. This is what Jackie Chan had to say about uh, Jimmy Wang Yu's death. I received some shocking news today on Qingming Festival. Jimmy Wang Yu has passed away. Another martial arts hero has left us. The contributions you've made to kung fu movies and the support and wisdom you've given to the younger generations will always be remembered in the industry. And your movies will always remain in the hearts of your fans. We will miss you. Rest in peace. Jackie and uh, Jimmy Wang Yu had a long history together. It's a history we haven't really gone into. I don't think we talked about it much on the Killer Mid-Years episode, we talked a little bit about the controversy around Jimmy Wang Yu. Uh, he was a massive star in the wake of Bruce Lee. I mean, his movies were absolutely hum- humongous. Um, and we know we knew that he was in kind of ill health in the, in the past few years. But I think we talked, we focused a little bit on the fact that he had kind of a reputation of being a bit of an asshole, to be totally uh, blunt about it. Uh, particularly when uh, he was making The Man from Hong Kong. I know Brian Trenchard-Smith has some really unpleasant things to say about him. But Jackie obviously had a lot of affection for him, and that may uh, be because of something that we haven't really talked about, which is, so I think we should orient ourselves a little bit uh, in terms of the career of Jackie Chan. I don't want to, for anyone who's coming in for the first time, this is where we are. Jackie Chan has been trying to break into the Hong Kong film industry for a number of years now, started out as a stuntman, started out as a fight choreographer. After the death of Bruce Lee, Lo Wei, uh, found uh, Jackie Chan, picked him out because he recognized something within him. Uh, there is the the classic story in all the Jackie Chan biographies that he tried to make him the new Bruce Lee. I think we've kind of uh, deflated that myth a little from having watched some of these movies. There certainly was an initial attempt, but I think he just has been trying to find a way to get Jackie Chan to be famous in the mold that Lo Wei sees him as. Uh, at this point in his career, he's basically box office poison. He has not made a successful movie whatsoever, except he gets loaned to um, seasonal films, which we'll talk about in just a little bit, in a little bit more detail. Seasonal films made Snake in the Eagle's Shadow, which was his first actual box office success. Then he makes Drunken Master, which is a massive box office success. Lo Wei, hey, he's rubbing his hands together. It's like, <laughs> this guy is uh, now going to be a cash cow. Uh, Jackie gets an offer from Golden Harvest, the big one of the big major studios, that and Shaw Brothers, to be contract player for them. He wants to go. He finally has the ability to make some real money. Lo Wei is like, uh-uh, I don't think so. Jackie goes and breaks the contract, and Lo Wei sends... I mean, this is, this is on the Wikipedia page. I've read about it a number of times, uh, though it's something that's kind of uh, excised from his biographies, that uh, Lo Wei sent uh, triad members to apparently either beat the shit out of or murder Jackie Chan. And Jimmy Wang Yu was the person that Jackie turned to to smooth it over for him, because Jimmy Wang Yu apparently had both respect and maybe connections in the underworld. And, uh, and that's a big part of his... Uh, I think, uh, affection for the late Jimmy Wang Yu. And it's something that I think we'll talk about a little bit more when we finish the kind of low-way section of this podcast. But this is where we are, Liam. Jackie Chan has made Snake in the Eagle Shadow uh, with Yun Wu-Ping. Uh, Yun Wu-Ping's very first film, huge success. Uh, Jackie Chan, you know, he's feeling good. So we've got Ung Si Yoon, the, uh, the uh, owner of Seasonal Films, which put out uh, that he basically handpicked Jackie Chan to be in this movie. Uh, he's happy, and what he wants is another snake in the eagle's shadow. And that's where we are right now, Liam. Was it a surprise now? Because I can't remember how, how familiar you were with Snake in the Eagle's Shadow before. Were you surprised at how kind of similar Snake in the Eagle's Shadow was to Drunken Master? Well, you know, I just didn't have it on my mind. Like, it was more like watching Drunken Master. I was reminded how similar they were. Right. But but I also feel like, you know, this is when they're trying to establish who Jackie Chan is as a property. You know, I, I don't know if they were using that language, but the, this is the beginning of him having his own style and his own sort of way of making movies. So some of the similarities for me were about... Uh, you know, obviously we want to make the money we made on the last movie. 
But I also think like him saying, okay, here are the things that I did that worked that like make sense to me. So I'm going to try some of those things again. So no. And, and, and to be fair, the part about this that's different than other movies is different than Snake and Eagle Shadow. That is, yeah. you know, the whole idea of him being a younger version of this guy that would end up being so important in Kung Fu history. You know what I mean? Or, or at least as a folk hero. Who knows if this was a real person or not. But, <laughs> but you know, in, in, in this sort of folk history that he's like, well, I'm going to start when this guy's an asshole, a, a dumb kid. <laughs> and we're going to develop his, sort of be his origin story. I That in and of itself was, was different, even if some of the beats of the movie are similar to his last movie. Yeah, yeah. You could tell that, that sort of the... the ground level of what this is going to be like in terms of its tone has been set, but they're willing to go. I mean, they can be a little more experimental because they know they've already had a hit out of it. Uh, speaking of this era in Jackie Chan's history, I want to read a little bit from uh, Jackie Chan's various biographies. His most recent one, Never Grow Up. Oddly enough, it's so strange to compare his earlier biography, I Am Jackie Chan, with Never Grow Up because Never Grow Up, even though you would think this is like one of the most important things in his entire career, and in, in I Am Jackie Chan, it goes into a lot of detail. Here he just says, Between 1978 and 1979, I had three massively successful films in a row. Snake in the Eagle's Shadow, Drunken Master, and The Fearless Hyena. People stopped me on the street to ask me to sign autographs and take photos with them. Wherever I went, people would throw Drunken Master punches at me, and gossip magazines had paparazzi tailing me every day. Finally, I knew what it felt like to be a star. The real sign that things had changed for me, the chatter in the dubbing booth was completely different. Now everyone was gushing praise. That kid's not bad at all. He can even act with his hands. After 15 years of hard training, I was an overnight success. Uh, but he doesn't go into like details of the production whatsoever. Thankfully, in his earlier biography, he does. I'm not going to go into a lot of it now. But really, you know, I think he had gained a lot of confidence by uh, particularly working with uh, Ng Si Yoon, who obviously when he saw the success of that original film, you know, he wanted to do more with Jackie Chan. It kind of proved what he already thought, which is that Jackie Chan had star potential. Um, and the idea, like you said, of taking this kind of folk hero and and uh, who not only is, is um, and we're, we're going to talk about Wang Fei Hung after when we start talking about the movie proper, but the idea of taking not only a folk hero, uh, and really, you know, someone that was established in, I think, between, what, the 1940s and 19, or 1930s and 1950s, they made like 99 movies about Wang Fei-Hung. Right. I mean, he was an established uh, um, character, let's say. Um, and there is a, there, it's hard to compare him to anybody else, but that character is one that's incredibly sort of serene and respectful and powerful. And the idea of taking a character that is so kind of respected and uh, is, is so beloved and then showing him as a rambunctious kind of prickish young man. I just love that idea. I love the idea mm -hmm. of kind of going backwards. Uh, and, and you're right. There, there was something kind of really original about that. One of the things it says in I Am Jackie Chan is that the success of this movie, which was not just a financial success for Ung Si Yoon, but also for Jackie himself, who got paid more than he'd ever been paid by a significant amount. This is what he has to say about the, the immediate impact of that financial success. Instant fame and sudden fortune do things to people. I'm human. I'm not very proud of the kind of person I became. I was used to eating noodles in the street and sleeping on the floor of my little apartment. Now that I had money, I started to buy things that I'd always envied. Big star things like gold chains and nice clothes. I looked at automobiles trying to decide whether a Porsche or a Mercedes best fit my new image. I remember walking into the same jewelry shop where I bought gifts for my parents. This time I bought gifts for myself. Seven watches, all Rolexes, one for each day of the week. I went into a boutique that I remembered as being very snobbish. One that had warned me that the clothes that they sold were too expensive for someone like me. This time I had them bring out all of the clothes one by one as I sat there, nodding and shaking my head. Finally, I pointed at random items, not even making it particularly clear which ones I wanted, and told the staff to send them to my apartment. I could tell that the salespeople weren't sure which clothes I picked, but they were afraid to let me know. It didn't matter. I intended to return some of them anyway, just to make life difficult for them. Jackie Chan <laughs> turned immediately to an asshole by his financial success. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, I, this was success that he has been aiming at for such a long time. I guess he's due to have a little bit of it, if not a lot go to his head. Uh, Liam, I think it's time for us to really dig in to Drunken Master. We know where we are. We know where we, where we are in terms of Jackie Chan's history. Let's take a break, have a little listen to the Drunken Master trailer, and when we return, 1978's Drunken Master. Don't 
be fooled by the way I stagger. There's power to kill there. It looks real weak, but that's how you win, by appearing to lose. <laughs> Fei Hung is a mischievous yet righteous young man, but after a series of incidents, his frustrated father has him disciplined by a master of drunken martial arts. It's 1978's Drunken Master, a.k.a. Uh, Drunken Monkey in the Tiger's Eye, which I guess was the original title it was released under, uh, known also as Zui, Zui Quan, which uh, literally translates to Drunken Fist. Uh, and yeah, this is the one. This is the movie that breaks things out. This is how it was described by Jackie himself in his book. Wang Fei-Hung is one of China's most famous folk heroes, beloved for his fighting ability, his treatment of the sick, and his nobility in the face of danger. That's why it was shocking when I suggested making this movie in which I play Wang as a mischievous young man. Audiences were surprised to see me portray Wang in such a disrespectful light, and they also found it funny and refreshing. In my version of the legend, Wang, punished by his father for disobedience, is sent to an old eccentric master to learn martial arts. I decide that the master is crazy and the training too difficult, so I run away. But when I get beaten up by an evil martial artist played by Huang Zhang Li, I return to the old master determined to learn the skills necessary to defeat Huang's powerful kicking style. And so my master, played by Simon Yun, teaches me the secrets of the eight drunken fairies, a set of ultimate boxing techniques that mimic the moves of a drunkard. In this movie, we built on the things we'd learned from the success of Snake in the Eagle Shadow, keeping the most important elements, like the relationship between me and Simon Yun, and the deadly presence of Taekwondo master Huang. While adding even more humor and acrobatic fighting, the result was phenomenal. Drunken Master earned 8 million Hong Kong dollars at the box office, and after nearly a decade of slaving away in the movie business, I was finally a star. Drunken Master was released in Hong Kong on the 5th of October 1978, as we mentioned already, directed by the great Yun Wu Ping, now just his second film, uh, basically written by the same crew that would uh, that made um, Snake in the Eagle's Shadow, um, including Ung Si Yun himself had some uh, some influence on the script, as well as Xiao Lung, who uh, co-wrote Snake in the Eagle's Shadow, and actually would direct a movie called Lackey and the Lady Tiger a few years later, which starred Mars, one of the uh, members of Jackie Chan's uh, stunt team, and would also write Dance of the Drunken Mant- Mantis, which was a, uh, a kind of a ripoff or... Um, I mean, one of the movies influenced by Drunken Master. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Starring, of course, Jackie Chan as Wong Fei-Hung, as we've already mentioned, uh, and Simon Yun as Baker So, basically playing almost exactly the same character as we saw him play in Snake in the Eagle's Shadow. Also, some other familiar faces here. We mentioned Huang Zhang Li, also playing a character very similar to that in uh, in Snake in the Eagle's Shadow. Dean Shek basically playing exactly the same character. Uh, Dean Shek, of course, unfortunately, recently passed away. Some other familiar faces, too, if you have watched a lot of martial arts movies, which we have started to do, Liam. But now, let's get into it. What do you think? Don't depress me by saying you don't like it. <laughs> what do you think of Dragon Master, Liam? Oh, it's fucking phenomenal. It's what's so funny is we have already discussed and other people discussed its similarities to Snake and Eagle Shadow, but it's so much better. And I on first watch, I couldn't even tell you why, really. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I'm having this feeling like I'm having a lot more fun. But what makes this I don't know if it's the just the pacing or the quality of the fights if it's that there's more humor like there is a a ton more goofy humor in this one than it's the yeah, eagle shadow absolutely um and not just from jackie chan right from a number of the characters mm-hmm. like uh i think you could argue right that um that uh simon yun's character is very similar but is for me a lot funnier in this movie. It has a sure. lot more like really good moments, uh, and also of badassery. And I guess that's the other part to this, right? That like, there's no point for me where this movie is like, we have to choose between silly humor or being badass. Like we can't do both. This movie's very much like we're gonna do both, even during some of the most dramatic fights. Jackie still does stuff that's fucking funny. Like yeah. it's he he's not it, the vibe is not I'm being a clown right now. The vibe is like I'm in a fight, but it is funny if during this fight I do this. <laughs> and and that's that's the trick, right? That's the trick in a sense it's not the only one, but it's one of the major tricks of his career, which is 
I'm fighting for my life. And in the midst of fighting for my life, I'm going to poke this guy in the eye with this chopstick. And that's just what's going to happen. It's going to be really funny, but it doesn't change the fact that this is a serious thing that's happening. That happens in this movie. And it's mm-hmm. so early for them to have figured this out and to be nailing it at such a high level. Um, and then I think it's just the added sort of, uh, uh, for me at least, the added novelty of the whole drunken master phenomena. Like sure. once mm-hmm. wh- I, I, there's a lot of fun fights before Jackie Chan's character even drinks a sip and acts drunk like there's a lot of fun fights before that but the idea that all of that is leading up to this style that he does it's great it's so it it, it works so well um even the parts that maybe could be seen as kind of weird like the whole thing where he won't learn the drunken mistress style yeah, like, yeah. they still play it in such a way where it's like yeah you're uh, cishet anxiety about exactly. acting like a woman <laughs> is actually stupid. And if you would just like, you know, wiggle your hips and, and bend your wrist a little bit, you'd kick this guy's ass. And mm-hmm. I, I love that. Like, there's just so many things that are endearing in this movie for me um, that I don't know. I just, it's, it's the, it's the first one we've done where I'm like, this is a fucking Jackie Chan movie. This is for me. 100% this is and and that's not to say like you've already pointed out earlier you're giving me all these like you know foreboding warnings that there will be you know steps backward that's fine this is the Jackie Chan movie we've been waiting for for right. me and that mm. doesn't and again I think some later movies are might even be better than this one but this absolutely is the, this is the first one we've watched where I'm like this is a goddamn Jackie Chan movie might even be a better one in this series <laughs> yeah yeah true well and 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 I I this is the other thing right is like the other the the Drunken Master sequel, I have a little bit more nostalgia for because I saw it first, right? Right. But they, you know, when they did a they, they that movie came out, they did a re-release of this movie. So I've seen both of these movies in a theater, and for me, the second one is still better. But this was really good, and it helps that I haven't watched this in so long. Like, yeah, I think I watched this on. DVD in like 2003 was the last time I probably watched it. You know what mm. I mean? And and that's nothing against the movie. I just hadn't had a chance to get back to it. So it wasn't fresh eyes because a lot of the beats I did remember. But there were details. I mean, that's the thing about a Jackie Chan fight, right? There are details in some of these fights that you might miss until you see the movie six fucking times. Like, yeah. Because there's just little things that he's able to do or get someone else to do that are really funny that you maybe didn't notice the first time you saw it. There's also, as you learn more about uh, Jackie Chan's career, but also the context of this movie in the greater kind of right. scheme of Chinese cinema, that also matters. Like, I didn't realize that the actor who plays Wang Fei-hung's father in this movie had also appeared in a lot of those older Wang Fei-hung movies. I right. knew that the actor who played Wang Fei-hung in those old movies shows up in Magnificent Butcher, which is a movie that maybe we'll talk about a little bit later. Unfortunately, Jackie Chan is not in that one, but it is an incredible martial arts movie. But the idea that this movie was making a appeal to people who love those movies to say, you know, we still respect it. You know, they use the Wang Fei-Hung music in this. This is a movie that shows a continuity between it. And even though it's it might be seen as disrespectful by some, that it's, you know, it, it's one of those fun things, the idea that someone who will turn out to be this kind of unimpeachable hero. He's just like everyone else when he's a kid. He needs to be taught, and that's what this movie is about. The thing I think that you were getting at, Liam, in regards to what separates Snake and the Eagle's Shadow from this and why people might prefer this, it comes down to, for me, a couple of things. One is that, and this is how I like a lot of martial arts movies, this movie starts with Jackie Chan also already being really good at martial arts. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's already great at the beginning, so he can have those fights really early on. Uh, he doesn't have to be taught from nothing. He doesn't have to, you know. The, the the I like a movie, I shouldn't say, I don't I don't want to talk in absolutes, but one of the things I like in Kung Fu movies is, oh, he's good already, but he's not great. So when he, he reaches, you know, when he matches up against Huang Zhang Li, who's supposed to be fucking amazing, now he has to be really taught a little bit of discipline in order to, you know, find his way to, to fight that person. I also love the, oh, I'm coming from nothing. The whole movie I'm going to be taught, like 36 Chamber of Shaolin. But with Snake and the Eagle Shadow, it kind of has it both ways, right? Where you can't really get the good fights until halfway or three quarters of the way through the movie. And the other thing is this movie is fucking packed with fights. There's so many of them in it. You know, there's, and it's hard to pick out a favorite necessarily, but we'll talk about, you know, our favorite action sequences in just a little bit. Have you ever uh, seen any other movies that, that have kind of a Wong Fei Hung influence in it, Liam? Hmm. 
you know, I don't know that I have actually. Um, other than the, obviously the ones that the, the sequel to this one, and then I think I caught the unofficial third sequel. Yeah, Drunken uh, Master Three. We'll talk about that in just a little bit as well. Yeah, but as far as the old school original ones, if I did, I wasn't because you got to remember, Doug. There's a whole period of time where I'm watching these movies, and I'm not really giving a fuck about. There's a point at which the consuming of these movies was about the fights, and actually absorbing what's going on with the plot <laughs> was not that important to me. Uh, it, it's one of those things where some of the scholars of Kung Fu history, Western scholars at least, I feel like some of the information they give us is, some of it doesn't really hold up under scrutiny, right? Like the idea that, it's one of the things that like Rick Myers, the the the, hung, the Kung Fu writer, has always said is like they're making up this stuff as they go along. It's like, it seemed like they had a pretty good idea of what they wanted the story of this to be. I mean, there's certainly a lot of improvisation in terms of, of certain aspects of it, but I think it's a pretty fascinating thing that they decided to go with this as a concept. It seemed like it was pretty fleshed out. It, I don't know if you've ever seen Iron Monkey, which has a, a ch- another child, in fact, even younger than Jackie Chan's character in this version of Wong Fei Hung in that. I already mentioned Magnificent Butcher, which also features a Wong Fei Hung. I just like the idea that this movie kind of reignited people's interest in it. Like yourself, Liam, I've never seen any of the older films. I don't know how available those are or if, if I mean, I don't know how many are lost. I don't know how many have been translated. It's a kind of an unfortunate thing, um, though. I mean, you know, this is a character that is very specific to that part of the world, and it may not transfer. And also, 99 movies, it's a lot, a lot of fucking movies to get through. Um, then again, hey, you know, we have those Zatoichi collections. I love those. Well, and I think um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if when we encountered this character, uh, he had been so uh, b- become such an icon, you know, such a figure that maybe we would see him as like a like they throw him in in a movie where there's like a, a bunch of characters that are familiar. Short, you know what I mean? Like we're <laughs> we're putting the team together. Here's a guy who's the you know the 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 that person. You know, does that make sense? Like. Like, you know, like, um, as opposed to, like, a movie where he's the main character and that's the focus of the narrative. Sure. It, it might be more like you're supposed to recognize that this is this is his, this is this figure. What what was the term uh, for for some of these, like, foundational people in Kung Fu history? Yeah, the Ten Tigers of Canton. Yeah. So, like, I can imagine making a movie where you're just supposed to know who he is. And maybe for me as a as an ignorant Western person, I'm watching it going, okay, it's another guy. Cool. Like it just doesn't have the same rest. The the same way that if you had no context, how could anyone discern what the movie, the expendables is supposed to be about? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I think it's, you know, I think people compare, I mean, like a Western folk hero, you know, it's hard to compare it, especially because we say folk hero and you're thinking, oh, like hundreds of years ago. I mean, this is a guy who was alive at the beginning of the 20th century, right? right? I mean, this isn't that long ago. And even like like the, the other characters in this movie, like like Beggar So, the Simon Yun character in the film, like he's was apparently a very real person. I mean, but these what we what we know about these characters from films obviously have no direct connection with reality. I mean, he was an herbalist and a... I guess he was very devoted to Confucianism and things like that. I mean, you know, these are elements that I don't have any background in. So, but when I think about who Wang Fei Hung is, I think of him as uh, Jackie Chan in this movie kicking people's well, asses. I mean, but that's, I mean, but, uh, we act like that's just a matter of this particular uh, area of the world's history. But I think that's actually a reality of history as a whole, you know, like sure. there's a reason that there's the whole conspiracy theory that George Washington didn't exist. That right. he's like a composite of a bunch of people. That just sounds like something you say when you're high at a party. But actually, there are real historians who are like, uh, I don't know, it's not that crazy, actually. You know, it, it, it or like, it, you know, or the theory that Jesus didn't exist. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, you know what I mean? Like, just because uh, we have some evidence for something doesn't necessarily mean that's the whole story. And that does go into 20th century. Like, I remember hearing a story, hearing a, uh, on a podcast, they were doing one of the stories from the warlord period, which is not, you know, 1600s, 50s. That's during the 20th century. It was this period before the democratic uh, government took over. There were all these various warlords. And they're talking about this guy who existed. Like, there's a birth certificate. You know what I mean? Like, he existed during a time when there were some kind of records. But as far as, like, details of who he was and where he was from, 
who fucking knows, man? Like, we don't know. Like, the, like w- one of the things we know about him was that people would talk about how huge his dick was. And that's, like, <laughs> one of the things people legitimately talk about with this guy. Because there's just, other than, like, the things he accomplished, we don't know a lot about who he actually was. But he matters to history. So he still yeah. gets talked about. That, so it's not that weird to me that these are real people who have been entirely mythologized, especially within the world of kung fu like if you think about like if someone is wondering like well how does how would martial arts as a real discipline right a thing people really do in the world become so mythologized uh think about the context of the boxer rebellion where an entire war Mm -hmm. was based around a fucking magic trick that was like no i caught the bullet it's cool we can catch bullets you know and then we're like okay cool i guess we'll start a war let's do this thing like that's that's huge that's a that's a part of actual history i just like the idea of kind of weaving folklore into semi-modern history you know that to me is very very interesting and and especially when the fact that Wang Fei Hung as a human being in reality may have little uh, connection at all to the 99 films or whatever that were made in the 40s and 50s that doesn't matter i mean that's that's how you make a a, a myth into a myth is by creating all of this kind of wild shit around it outside of what we've been talking about so far Liam Snake and the Eagle Shadow it was markedly better than the movies that we've been watching up to this point. And you can point to that alone to say, oh, that's why people went and saw it. It's a good movie. You know, it's entertaining. It's doing some new things that people haven't been doing at this time, or at least not doing consistently. But Drunken Master was like 10 times as successful. Why? Why was this the movie that was the big success? I mean, I think for 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 my take it is because it's so much funnier and it is so much more of jackie chan's personality sure snake and eagle shadow you know when we talked about snake and eagle shadow we were still talking about hints of who jackie chan would be whereas this movie he's much more fully formed yeah Uh, and, and i do wonder if the very thing we've been talking about which is that this is a very original take on this character that there wasn't something about that in and of itself i also think there's just something about and granted, I haven't seen enough of this character portrayed in other places, so maybe I'm wrong. But there might be something about the particular way Jackie Chan portrays the drunken uh, boxer right. style that appealed to people. Because it's both very tough when he does it and fucking ridiculous. I mean, you might as well make a fight like like a like a, a martial arts movie with Charlie Chaplin. It's right. that o- utterly over the top. I'm sure people love that, especially because here we are five years out from like the initial. Well, that's like the international explosion. So more like maybe like eight to ten years out from when like these movies were like growing and growing and growing exponentially. Right. And Mm -hmm. so maybe by 1978, people are ready for a film that's like not taking this shit so seriously. You know what I mean? I think there's also the youthful element to it. Sure, you know, yeah. the the not just the wisecracking, but you know, being young and mischievous. It I think there's a cool aspect to Jackie Chan's uh, character. You know, he's 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 a dick at the beginning and he's hitting on women and you know, but he's making, you know, the people who are really up their own ass look like jerks and beating the hell out of them. I do think that there's like a, a wish fulfillment aspect of it, but also just playing into if I was a young person at, in, in this era, when there's still tons of kung fu movies in the wake of Bruce Lee, hey, maybe kung fu movies didn't seem that cool since the death of Bruce Lee. And here's a guy who's making it kind of cool and fun and hip again. And I think that that's the kind of thing that kind of uh, uh, could, could catch fire really quickly. And also, it feels like Snake and the Eagle Shadow sort of primed the pump. I mean, you can kind of see this movie, even though it's not a sequel, it certainly is a thematic sequel. It's certainly, you know, trying to give people more of the same. And people who love that, well... They're telling their friends maybe in the time between that movie came out was a success. Everyone's like, have you seen this thing? Have you seen this thing? I guess it's uh, it's like, <laughs> you know, I was thinking, it's like the second Austin Powers movie where people all discovered it on, on VHS. And then when the second one came out, it was this huge success after the kind of minor success of the first one. Liam, I just compared Drunken Master to Austin Powers. What do you think? I mean, Doug is going to Doug. What, what can I do? What can you do? Liam, one of the things this movie is best known for, outside of the fights, which we're going to get to in just a moment, are some of the training sequences. Uh, we've seen a lot of training sequences involving Jackie Chan up to this point. This movie has some creative ones. Uh, any that uh, that jumped out at you? Um, well, one of the ones that really did was the... Uh, what were, were those were those walnuts or chestnuts that he was... I, I, think, I, I think they're supposed to be walnuts, yeah. 
Um, I can barely hold things with my fingers, let alone crack <laughs> anything open. So the, that I mean, there was a few. There's always a few things like this where I'm watching someone do something, and I think. I couldn't even fucking do that, let alone do it multiple times as part of training. You know what I mean? Um, but that particular one, I was like, I get why this matters, but how psychotic that he's going to keep doing this. It it was weird. Uh, also, when, when he's training with his dad, with well, he's not really training with his dad, but he's being forced to train for his dad and being watched by the guy with the mole hair on his face. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the idea of squatting over the burning thing. Well, Blah, blah, blah. That that gives me oogie feelings. Uh, I guess it's like the horse that. stance is what it's supposed to be. And yeah, apparently, yeah, this yeah. like that they, that when uh, Jackie Chan was was um, in Peking Opera School, that's the sort of thing they'd have to do is just hold positions for extended periods of time. Uh, but I just love the idea. It's like, how did he think he was going to get away with having that bench put in when his father eventually came home? And <laughs> all he had to do, like, there's only one direct angle that allows him to get away from it with it. I don't know, man. I don't know. I also had to say, I don't know if you were feeling this, Liam. Considering uh, the strength of my own wrists probably aren't what they should be. Uh, there's there's a lot of wrist damage in this. He has to do push-ups where he flips oh, onto his yes, wrist. Yes, he also yes. has those poles attached to his wrist, and he's being manipulated by uh, by the Beggar So uh, training character. Yeah, a lot of wrist damage done to Jackie Chan in this movie. There was definitely a point in my life where I might have... Tr- I don't know if I would have tried it that extreme, but I might have tried like doing the push-ups on my wrist. But right now, I can't even push up with my hands. So the idea that I would put any pressure on my wrists like that is, is again. And it, it's one of those things where it's hard to know how, like when he's doing the uh, the uh, inverted sit-ups with the water. Yeah. You're watching that going, well, that really would rip the hell out of your out of your core like that's yeah. that's an exercise when he's doing the wrist thing i'm like outside of the context of this movie how is this useful at any you know what i mean <laughs> like there, there's there's and i don't judge these movies for this but in all these movies there's always some training thing where you're like that only works for the plot of the thing that you've developed no one really does that right but again what do i know maybe maybe they do it's all i mean it's based on a different understanding of the human body. You know what I mean? Right. I always think about in uh, 36 Chamber of Shaolin, there's that one where they all have to go through the, there's all these hanging sandbags and they all have to headbutt them as they're going by there. And it's just like, giving yourself constant concussions is not going to strengthen your skull. That's right. not how right. that's going to work. Right. 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 <laughs> but I do love the idea. I mean, again, this is repeated in literally hundreds of martial arts movies that you kind of have to, you got to work out the basics, right? One body part at a time. And after like six months, then it's like, okay, now we can start showing you how to beat the hell out of people with all the stuff that you know so far. And the person's always like, oh, right, I do know stuff. I just didn't know I knew it. But I like that. I mean, I like the idea that you're kind of breaking a person apart and then building them back together, though, um, you know, it's also abuse. <laughs> it's very abusive. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I, in, in essence, they're not wrong because I feel like a lot of exercise is just – I found an awful thing I do over and over yeah, again. Well, I mean, until fair I get enough. At it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and it's not entirely made up, right? Like I've definitely seen what while I don't know how successful it is as just a like a pure fighting thing, it is true that people even today who study Shaolin Kung Fu are a lot stronger and tougher than you think they are. Like that, sure. the video of the guy getting kicked by the little by the monk and he's like, Oh, like, you know, he he's sort of humoring this guy and then he gets the kick and he's like, Oh wait, that actually fucking hurt. You know, like like what the hell is going on? Like whatever. But it's also true that like a lot of times in a fight, just being mean and not getting knocked out right away is all you need for the most part. Like being able to do cool stuff is kind of less important than like I got hit in the face and I didn't go unconscious. Like that that seems to be one of the major skills of actually winning at actual fights. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much we can connect to what we see in these movies to actual fighting. No, anyway. especially Jackie Chan because it's all about being acrobatic. He is – Utterly unconcerned with someone watching this and being convinced that they're really fighting. It's yeah. all about the spectacle of it, and that's part of why it, I, I think love it's it. the spectacle and danger, though the yes. element of danger is so important, right? I mean, the, this movie they do the same thing they do in so many movies, including a lot of Jackie Chan ones, where you know you have the sword and to show that the sword is actually sharp, he cuts up some cucumbers and he cuts off some of Jackie Chan's hair, and it's just like, I mean, we know that it's a fake sword for most of this fight, but they need to establish some reality in it to give everything more impact. Yeah, I think that's fair. 
Thanks, Liam. <laughs> I don't know what else you fucking want me to say to that. <laughs> Liam, there's a lot of fights in Drunken Master, the movie yes. from 1978. Uh, and I want you to tell me. You don't have to tell me necessarily your single favorite. I know it's impossible to choose. What are some that stuck out? What are some of the fights that you most enjoyed in this movie? Hmm. Well, um, I did like the fight between him and uh, I'm and I'm getting this name from your notes with uh, Linda Lynn because I think if people aren't paying attention, they might not notice that like very early in the movie we see him get beat up by a lady, yeah, like, a very skillful lady. When he's specifically being an asshole, he gets beat up by this lady, and then later on he's unwilling to do the lady style, and I'm like. Just look back in the history of the movie, man. You already got your ass kicked by a lady. Like, maybe this bias you have, like, well, I don't want to act like a woman. It's like, well, I don't know, man. We've kind of established that that's not that big a deal. So maybe you should. I love um, it. I love how his ego is always tripping him up throughout the movie, yeah, even agreed. when he's, like, gone through this process. But I love that, too. She's so such a unique fighting style. All those, like, um, kind of acrobatic. I mean, Jackie Chan's a very acrobatic fighter. But just seeing this woman honestly dominate him and beat the shit out of him is pretty especially knowing that he is being such a prick at that moment but i love also that when later he has to prove himself um against the family of the uh rich asshole that he beats up in the market that she helps him after you know she knows he deserves punishment and she's going to make sure that she sees it but only to a certain level because he's still family and once that reaches it you know she gets real enjoyment out of seeing him beat the shit out of those people yeah yeah and (laughs) i and i thought that whole sequence was really fun too um uh, speaking of the 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 fight with the jade guy is pretty good, especially the sword stuff. Though, like when he's hitting the guy with the sword, it gives me anxiety because I'm like, "Are you sure it's the right side of the sword?" <laughs> There's some part of me that's like, "Okay, all right, be careful." Um, and that I, gag, by the way, it's like, "Oh no, I'm dead!" Oh, wrong side. I swear, I've seen that a hundred times. Probably, probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and I liked there was. Uh, not just his first fight, but there were a number of fights with uh, uh, with Huang Zhang Li. Uh, not just against him, but there was the one at the very beginning, and then there's one. There's well, it's kind of a few with him, and he's he's fighting Beggar So, or he's fighting him. Like there, there's a few people he's fighting. I just thought um, as a as a performer, Huang Zhang Li was just like super impressive. Like every time he was doing stuff, I like that because kicks are his thing. Right? Yeah. Like, that, that's what he's known for. It's so different from seeing it. And that's another yeah. thing. Like, this movie has a lot of different kind of fighting. you got that stick fighter guy who's also really impressive in this, uh, Shu Xia. Um, and and I, that's one of my favorite fights in the movie, too, is that the one where he's having... So he's already come and beat the hell out of Beggar So because Beggar So needs alcohol in order to fight. And he is uh, basically... Uh, going through withdrawals because he hasn't drank recently. So he, the the stick fighter guy goes in and beats beats the hell out of him. And basically, Jackie and Beggar So have to run away. Well, later after Jackie's been taught this uh, the eight uh, drunk eight, eight drunken immortal style, he shows up at the guy's birthday party and he's like, "Hey, <laughs> I'm gonna beat the shit out of you in front of everybody." And uh, he does that. It's it's very much prototypical of the kind of comedic cocky style that we see in some of these movies. Yeah. Though I have to say my favorite fight, I think, uh, outside of the final fight, is the one that takes place in the restaurant where he first encounters Beggar So. Simply because that feels like what a more modern Jackie Chan style is, where he's using the tables and chairs and, you know, the, the, the wine bottles, that there's a lot of props involved. And that's something that we're seeing kind of introduced a little bit in this movie. And that will obviously become huge in his movies in the 80s and 90s. It's just the introduction of props. And uh, and different kind of improvised weapons. Well, I think that um, we're still at a point where that level of creativity, it's not clear that that's like what people want. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there, there's an effort in this movie to include, like you could argue the, the fight between Huang Zhongli and his the guy who's playing his father is like the most traditional Kung Fu. Like there's no jokes in that section. Like when they're right. fighting each other, it's very much a fist versus foot thing and and i love it for that it's very well done it's very well shot which is really what a lot of these things boil down to is it's are the performers good and is the filming done in such a way where it's impressive right yeah and and that whole fight sequence even though it's just leading to his final fight is very well done and it, it ties this movie to the more of the traditional kind of kung fu movie but then he comes in with his drunken style and kind of changes the whole game you know 
Yeah, it changes the game literally. I mean, right. the the way that this movie ends, I also love, I mean, not to, I think anyone listening to this has seen Drunken Master, but I just love that, and I think we've talked about it several times before, you beat the bad guy, and it's like no wrap-up whatsoever. It's just, all right, we're done. <laughs> like the movie, yeah. the end. Just, and this we're, is a, we're done here, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this movie's like almost two hours long, so it's it, it, it certainly feels that you it's substantial. I just like the idea that there's no wrap-up needed or necessary. <laughs> Everything is just... Beat this guy, and we're done. Uh, any thoughts on that final fight with Huang Zhang Li? Uh, Jackie Chan, super powered up. His dad has just gotten his ass kicked by this super fighter uh, who's trying to kill him. And uh, Jackie Chan jumps in with his uh, newly learned skills. What do you think of that fight? It's a little... I mean, I will say my only critique, and I don't think this is a problem, but it's, this is where the movie has to sort of become more of the format, is that it, that, that, that fight feels a little... Um, formulaic like it's following a certain pattern you know what yeah. i mean mm-hmm. uh but that doesn't make it any less fun it just has that and it's quite but, long too i mean it's, yeah, it's a lot yeah, i think it's the longest yeah, fight yeah, in this movie yeah. by a significant and, amount and the part of it that makes the least sense though is when it gets interesting because the, he just hasn't trained one of the styles you know and then and then beggar <laughs> so just like i don't know fucking make it up i mean that's basically yeah. what he says right like in, in in english she says something a little bit like so i watched it again with the subs on but also in english so the subs are giving you you the trans (laughs) because the subs are giving you the translation right and then the dubs you would hope anyway (laughs) well that's true well it's at least they don't match the dubs right so if i'm going off the subs in the in the whatever mandarin cantonese whatever it is that is the original he says something more like um, that you sort of feel it and let it come out, and right. then the English, he's just like, just do what, just combine all the styles, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, but I do like the idea that like he doesn't actually know it, but he knows the the mode that he's in enough that he can kind of figure it out. You know yeah. what I mean? There's something about that that is both illogical. It doesn't fit any other part of the fucking movie. It, it totally feels like something you pull out of your ass while you're filming the scene. Like, okay, how are we going to wrap this shit up? And you just make it up on the spot. On the other hand, it's fun and it disrupts the formula, <laughs> right? Because it was starting to get a little rote and that adds a bit of chaos and really fucks with this guy. And, and as much as I love the performance of Huang John Lee, I really want to see that character get fucked with. And so the more yeah. that the Jackie Chan character through pure chaos and uh, fuckery just mess with this dude's feeling that he's the toughest guy in the world, it's just satisfying. It's so satisfying, Doug. That, that fight has a lot of ebbs and flows, right? Where it just kind of goes back and forth, like who, right. who's got the upper hand. And I really like that as well, where it's just like, oh, oh, he's using the skills that he's learned. Oh, but now he's still losing. He, it doesn't mean that he's just going to easily win. Uh, it just kind of reinforces how much of a badass Wang Zhang Li is in his. I also love that Beggar So shows up, and when he introduces himself to Wang Zhang Li's character, you could see that he's like shaking. He's like, hey, look, I, I'm not going to fight you. And <laughs> Beggar So's like, oh, yeah, I just want, I'm just here to see a good fight. That's all the reason that I'm not going to yeah. get involved yeah. whatsoever. I'm just going to see my student get murdered here in front of me. Um, and, and, you know, uh, I- yell out some some helpful words. It's it's weird because on one hand this character of Beggar So is an established figure in this world in this in in the the lore of this of this martial arts world right people know this character on the yep. other hand the foundation of the character is until you know his name you completely write him off and there is some sort of like lesson in that right like just because you see a, a drunken old man on the side of the highway, you better fucking watch out because that guy might kick your ass, right? right? There's something about that that I think is still valuable even today. Like, yo, man, don't just assume you know what's going on because you might get caught up. And and it, it, it feels like this movie doesn't hit on it too hard, but there is very much a vibe of, yeah, that's the point. Like, the whole point is I'm going to wander this earth and fuck up people who don't know that, that I could fuck them up. You know what I mean? And I, I kind of love that. I think even the success of Jackie has a little bit of that. 100%. Because, you know, if you see him with a shirt on, you know, he just, he doesn't necessarily look like the world's biggest badass. When in a movie, someone, you know, starts to, to fuck around with Bruce Lee, you're like, oh, that guy is in big trouble. Because look at him. He literally is this incredibly ripped, handsome guy, of course he's going to beat the hell out of him. With Jackie, I think it's, a, like you said, it's a little more unassuming. And it's, it, um, 
and you can see why people would fuck yeah. with him in these movies. And it makes it, I think you're right, a little bit more satisfying. A lot of these Jackie Chan movies, think about it, they'll open with him training. So yeah. that immediately you're like, oh, he's a badass. And then the very next scene is him being treated like a jerk off in normal yeah. society. It's it's A lot of times in those movies, it almost feels like a th- it's a reference to the past. Like him training is a reminder of a different time. But then whenever he enters the modern world, he's an asshole. Like, and it's not every movie, but a lot of movies, that's the vibe is like, whoa, what a badass! He's so tough. People must respect how tough he is. And then the <laughs> moment he's in society, it's like, what the fuck are you doing, idiot? You know, like it's, it's constantly. <laughs> and I, and I, and that feels for me like a, like his Jackie Chan version of what was going on with beggar cell. Honestly. So this movie was a massive success, as we've gone into uh, a number of times. And with massive success, particularly Hong Kong cinema, comes massive imitation. And this movie was imitated to within an inch of his life. Uh, I've seen a few of them. Uh, probably the most interesting is that Yun Wu-Ping followed this up. His third movie was a direct sequel to this, except it's, I guess you would call it a spin-off instead. It features Beggar So, of course, played by his father in Dance of the Drunk Mantis. And in fact, he was making... Magnificent Butcher as his fourth film, Yun Wu Ping, and his father was going to be in that, but his father died during the making of it, which is why he's not in that film. But um, Dance of the Drunk Mantis is was not a financial success, I guess, because Jackie Chan wasn't in it, um, uh, and it was also released in some places as Drunken Master Part Two, believe it or not. Um, and there was also at the time Story of Drunken Master, World of the Drunken Master. If you kind of expand outwards into like a low budget film, there was Drunken Swordsman, Shaolin Drunk Monkey, which I've seen, uh, Drunken Tai Chi, Drunken Master Three, aka Drunken Master Killer. So we'll we'll talk about that right now, actually. So we know that the real sequel to Drunken Master wasn't made until 1994. Drunken Master Two, aka The Legend of Drunken Master, uh, though I I saw it as Drunken Master Two first, so I can't get used to that other name. Um, and that has basically Jackie Chan playing, I mean, he's playing the same character, Wang Fei Hung, as a kid still, even though he's like 15 years older, a guy who's almost 40 years old, basically still playing a, I mean, I guess in this movie, you'd think that he's in his late teens, early 20s. Uh, but somehow Drunken Master 2 makes it, uh, pulls it off. It's going to be a long time till we watch Drunken Master 2, Liam. Do you have any thoughts on that film, General? My memory of it was that it's great, but I haven't seen it since it came out. Well, I've seen it many times, and not only will I say that it's great, Liam, I think you can make a case that A, it's the greatest of all Jackie Chan movies, and B, perhaps the greatest martial arts movie ever made, but it's going to be a while before we get to talk about that. Uh, so, Lau Kar Lung, the famous director, uh, brother of Gordon Liu, uh, he was the original director of Drunken Master 2. Him and Jackie Chan clashed in it. He's in Drunken Master 2 as a performer as well, and has a very memorable fight with Jackie in it. He was so peeved about the fact that Jackie took over that he immediately went off and made Drunken Master 3. Does not involve Jackie Chan at all. Um, has Andy Lau in it. Has Actually, Gordon Liu shows up in that as well. Drunken Master 3, it's not worth seeing. I saw it many years ago. I remember being very disappointed by it. But, I mean, just to show you that at that time, people were very into the idea of more Drunken Master. But the idea of this character that feels uh that gets power i guess you could say from alcohol or at least is able to channel that into some sort of martial art that basically kind of has has taken hold in um popular culture right i mean there's lots of different especially in video oh, games oh very much like so yeah, yeah 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 is there any that that you can think of offhand where you see this i mean i know there's a character in like Mortal Kombat, and I think one of the Tekken games has a character. I've definitely seen it, but I'm not Mm -hmm. enough of a gamer to know the names of the characters or anything like that. I believe Edgar Wright said that the drunken fight scene in The World's End is uh, explicitly a reference to Drunken Master. And they even use some of the choreography from it. Before we finish up talking about Drunken Master, Liam, we got to talk about the man himself, Jackie Chan as Wong Fei Hung. You know, we've waffled a little bit on the idea of Jackie Chan as a actor in this movie, but I do think that here he's as confident as he's ever been in one of these movies, and it's his performance really reflects that. Knowing, of course, that sometimes the voice that we see coming out of his mouth uh, isn't his own. What do you think of his performance in Drunken Master? It's great. It, he has so much personality in it. Um, he manages to 
be the asshole that the plot calls for him to be at the beginning where he's got this ego and the ego keeps getting him in trouble. He does a lot of silly things that would become sort of markers of him later on. I, I think specifically when he finds out that the woman who beat him up in the market is actually his aunt, you yes. know, <laughs> that whole scene was very funny. Um, but then by the end, when he has learned the styles and in, in a sense, learned a certain amount of discipline uh, and dedication, um, he manages to embody that as well. So you kind of yeah. believe him as a, maybe not totally, but at least slightly more noble figure. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know if this is the prototype for the Jackie Chan character I like most. I think I like him a little bit more naive and maybe a little bit less of a jackass generally, but it, it absolutely works for this material. Uh, in fact, I think even in, in Drug Master 2, he's a little bit less of a kind of overtly prickish in terms of how he wants that. But I also think that has to do with the fact that he's such a, at that point, established superstar. There's a kind of role that people want to see Jackie Chan do. This one, he's still kind of feeling it out a little, but in some ways, the fact that it's a little off model makes it even more interesting, right? Because it kind of requires him to do a little bit more actual acting. Uh, but I mean, the, the, when you watch this, there's no doubt who the star of this movie is. I mean, Beggar So might be one of the characters that people love, but this is a star-making performance. Just like, you know, Stake in the Eagle's Shadow established it, but this is the one that really sent it off. For you, is this the kind of character that you most identify Jackie Chan with? I I think there's a, yeah, there's a version. It's not far from this character, but there is a version of this character that's more naive and, and sweet. Yeah. Uh, and, and just finds himself in situations he doesn't know how to get out of. Again, it is very much more similar to a to a to a silent film goofball character than it is to a martial artist. Uh, yes. and I and I love that character so much. Not that not that he doesn't have more serious characters that I also enjoy, but that goofball character is like my favorite. Do you have any interest in watching any of these ripoffs of Drunken Master? Uh, for the show or in my everyday life? Well, not for the show. We have enough to watch on this show. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I, yeah, a little bit. I mean, some of them sound kind of fun, even though I know that they're not very original, you know? <laughs> I mean, I I like the idea that any time in Hong Kong cinema when something is successful, that it gets imitated. I mean, you could even make a case that the, the idea of the Kung Fu comedy was an imitation, right? This wasn't uh, initially, you know, discovered by Jackie Chan. It was just like, it was just something he wanted to do and thought that he could be good at. Just, I mean, I just think it's, it'd be fun to investigate some of these movies that were directly influenced now that we have a movie that's successful enough to be influential. Speaking of movies that are influential, Liam... <laughs> As uh, we've talked about many times before, as well as in the beginning of this episode, we have to take a few steps back because this is the end of our run with Yoon Woo Ping. This is the end of our run with seasonal films. Jackie Chan needs to stop being a superstar for a while and get back into working with Lo Wei on the next episode of We Do Our Own Stunts. It's 1978's Spiritual Kung Fu. Uh, we've already talked about it, Liam. You don't seem too bothered by the fact that maybe uh, we need to regress a little bit before we go forward. But any thoughts about spiritual kung fu? I I don't know anything about it. I've never heard of it. I'm not excited to watch it because I want more of his own kind of projects. But I'm not bummed to watch it either. It does. It takes place at a Shaolin temple, um, and. Jackie Chan's a bit of a smartass in this one as well, but uh, and also it was dubbed and released as Karate Ghostbuster. What do you think about that as a title? That's actually <laughs> insane. <laughs> uh, also, some familiar faces in spiritual kung fu, but we will get to that on the next episode of We Do Our Own Stunts. Liam, people want to check out more episodes or check out what's going on at Cinepunks. What's the best way for them to do so? Well, they can head over to cinepunks.com, C-A-N-E-P-U-N-X, uh, and check out the whole family of podcasts over there, as well as our merch and some writing and stuff. Uh, and of course, they can check out our archive of episodes over at cinemasmorgasbord.com. Uh, Cinepunks is on social media as well, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. And Cinema Smorgasbord is on Twitter, at Cinema Smorg, S-M-O-R-G. 
why not rate, review, and subscribe uh, to Cinema Smorgasbord? Uh, links are all on the cinemasmorgasbord.com site. Leaving us a review on your podcast provider of choice is always appreciated. We have podcasts devoted to such diverse topics as the career of Carol Kane, uh, the career of Steve Buscemi, uh, the career of Alejandro Jodorowsky, George Kennedy. Lots of them over there. Um, and you can check all those out over at cinemasmorgasbord.com. You can find me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. And I'm going to switch it up and tell Liam's Twitter handle now and say Liam Rules that's where you can find him R-U-L-Z but for now Liam we need to give up on Jackie Chan for a little bit we need to take a little break from him we're going to be back very soon with 1978's Spiritual Kung Fu good night everyone night night